Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're here today. Today we're continuing part two of our message series, The Rise and Fall of Kings. And in this series, we're looking at uh, some of the greatest and most famous kings of the Old Testament. And we're looking at what God did to help them rise to power, what caused them to fall from power, so that we can learn those lessons so that God, we can learn the things that God wants to do to help raise us up in this life and to prevent a fall, okay? Um, This week, I was uh, conducting an interview with a guy uh, for our small group's pastor here at the park, and he said one of the most insightful things to me that I've heard in a really, really long time. He said this. He said, Mike, we are meant to be more than just brains on a stick. God wants to reshape our desires. And basically what he was saying was this, he's like, in other words, in order to grow to true spiritual maturity, we can't just accumulate more information. Like, we have to be more than just brains on a stick. We have to get to the place in life where God reshapes our desires. And it, because it's only then that we truly change. And how does God reshape our desires? By reshaping our hearts. Because our hearts are the seat of our desires. See, if all we do is we fill our brains with more knowledge and more facts, then that leads to just more information. But God wants to lead us to transformation. And to do that, we have to engage our hearts. God has to change our hearts and change our desires and reshape them so that they match his. And really, when you think about it, um, every regret, every sin, every marital conflict, um, every family conflict, every moment of selfishness is really just a result of misshapen desires. So we need God to reshape our hearts. We need to have our hearts where we are fully committed to serving God. Because look, partial commitments only get us partially there. Half-hearted commitments, truthfully, don't even get us halfway there. We have to have hearts that are fully committed to God to follow Him for our whole lives. Which, by the way, is why I'm so glad that we're studying the particular king we're looking at today. Because when we look at this king, we'll see that he had a heart that was fully committed to following God. And more importantly, he was able to maintain that commitment for his entire life. His entire life. So like, he wasn't just a, like a flash in the pan kind of king. He wasn't just a one-hit wonder kind of king. He was the kind of king who served God with his whole heart for his whole life. Now, he wasn't perfect, okay? He made some mistakes. And the truth is, that's pretty liberating for us. That's good news for us because it means that we don't have to be perfect to follow God either. But it does mean that we've got to be more dedicated. And so let's look at this first king, or the, first, the king that we're going to look at today. Not the first king, we looked at the first one last week. Uh, we're going to look at King Asa. So King Asa, he reigned from 911 to 870 B.C. And yes, I know in school they, teach, they call it B.C.E. now, I get that. But I'm going B.C. before Christ, 
it's my effort to you know, rage against the machine, okay? So uh, BC, we're going old school. So that, he reigned from 911 to 870 BC, and we have to ask the question, what made him rise to power? What made him rise to power? Well, it's because his heart was fully committed to the Lord. His, it's because his heart was fully committed to the Lord. And as, as we're gonna read here in just a second, King Asa receives one of the highest commendations from God that any king receives. It says this in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 14. It says, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Now get this. There were 42 kings in the history of Israel and Judah. Because remember we learned last week, Israel is in the north, Judah's in the south. 42 kings total in their history. Only 11, only 11 kings are described as righteous. All the rest are described as evil. And King Asa is one of the 11 righteous kings. And the reason that God raised him to power is because his heart was fully committed to following the Lord, okay? Now, that begs the other question, what made him fall from power? Well, there was no fall. For King Asa, there was no fall because he never allowed his heart to become corrupted. And so because his heart never became corrupted, there was no need for God to remove him from power. I, I, I mean, that's incredible because I don't know about you, I wanna make sure that I live a life where God fully uses me for all that he can in this life. And the truth is, I want to avoid any kind of fall. I want to stay committed to following God with my whole heart for my whole life. But how? Like, how did King Asa do that? How did King Asa remain fully committed to God, and how did he maintain that commitment for his whole life? How can God develop in me a heart that's fully committed to him? Well, several ways. Here's the first. I need to be willing to get rid of what draws my heart away. I need to be willing to get rid of whatever it is that draws my heart away. Let's look how the story of King Asa starts. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 9, it says, In the 20th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa became king of Judah. So remember, Israel's in the north, Judah's in the south. And he reigned in Jerusalem 41 years. His grandmother's name was Maacah, daughter of Abishalom. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his father had made. Now, if you know anything about the history of the kings of Israel, you know that idols were a problem from literally the very beginning. The problem with idols was that they drew the hearts of the people away from God. Now, for you, what draws your heart away from God is probably not a little statue made of wood or of stone. It's probably something else. So, literally, what is it? What is it that draws your heart away from God? Is it a schedule that is so jam-packed that you hit the floor running every single day, and so you literally have no time to read your Bible or to pray? Is it the kind of music that you listen to so that what plays over and over and over again in your head, you know, whether that song that gets stuck in your head, 
is a song that doesn't draw you closer to God, but actually draws your heart farther away from God? Is it unresolved issues from people that are close to you so that you get so emotionally bound up that you can't think about anything else? Is it, is it stress or is it worry over money? And that stress, that worry just consumes everything and it just crowds out God from your life? Is it something, is it something that you have kept hidden and secret and so that you have to deny what's really true to other people. And that kind of duplicity draws your heart away from God. Is it unresolved conflict in your marriage or just in your family? And that brings, that gets you so angry and just stirs you up so much that you could not hear God even if he was speaking to you. I mean look, it could be anything. It could be a thousand anythings. But what is it that draws your heart away from God? Because look, the only way to have a heart fully committed to God is to do what King Asa did. You gotta get rid of it. You gotta get rid of whatever it is that draws your heart away away from God. And look, and depending on what it is that draws your heart away from God, getting rid of it's gonna look a little bit different. So if it's something that's kind of an emotion-based, if it's, you know, anger or worry or fear or something like, or jealousy, then you've got to do some things to change what happens in your routine or change your daily response so that those emotions don't just drag you away. Or maybe for you, it's like a physical thing that you need to get rid of because it's a physical thing that draws you away from God. You know, maybe for you it's alcohol. And so for you, you might not be able to handle it at all. And honestly, you just need to get rid of it entirely because you can't handle it in any degree. You know, or Maybe for you, it, it is your music. And so you need to swap out the music you have for some different kind of music that will draw your heart closer to God. Or maybe it's, maybe it's where you go on Friday or Saturday night because where you go draws your heart away from God and then when you come to church on Sunday, you feel like such a hypocrite. I look, I mean, the truth is, I probably don't even tr- need to try to tell you what it is that you need to get rid of you probably already know. And so you just need, you need to make the decision to get rid of it. I mean, it really is just that simple. Now, the process of getting rid of it is not simple, but the decision is. You just have to decide to get rid of it. And once you decide to get rid of it, I'm telling you, that is when God will begin to reshape your heart and begin to reshape your desires so you will eventually get to the point where you will say, you know what? You'll say, why did I do that years ago? I wonder why I held on to that so long. Because you will feel so much closer to God because he's reshaping your heart and he's reshaping your desires, right? Now, on the flip side, you have to start doing some things that draw your heart closer toward God. It's not just enough to get rid of the bad things, you also have to start doing some of the good things. So what do you need to do? You need to, you need to start reading your Bible. You need to make a commitment to read your Bible and to pray. You need to make a strong commitment to church, say, you know what, I am gonna go to church no matter what, unless I'm either sick or out of town. I'm gonna be there. 
You need to make a commitment to be in a small group because when you're in a small group, that's when you're in a group of people studying the Bible, answering questions, praying for one another, helping one another, encouraging one another to travel farther down the road so you can all be more fully committed to God. That's that's what it's about. Now, King Asa, get this, when he got rid of the idols, like that didn't just affect him. That affected everyone in the land. So when you get rid of the things that draw your heart away from God, that won't just benefit you. It will benefit the people around you. It will benefit your kids. It will benefit your spouse. It will benefit the people you work with. It'll benefit your neighbors. It'll benefit anybody you come in contact with because as you become the person that God wants you to be, I'm telling you, that spills over into all of those relationships. And all all the people around you will benefit from it. Okay, number two. Second thing that we need to do is this, is that I need to be willing to change the course of my family. I need to be willing to change the course of my family. Let's look how the story continues. Verse 13, he, that's King Asa, he even deposed his grandmother Ma'akah from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Asa cut the pole down and burned it in the Kidron Valley. Now, why, why was an Asherah pole so repulsive? I mean, was it like really ugly and just like bad decoration? Well, no, okay. Asherah was the goddess of fertility, okay? And they believed that if you wanted good crops, if you wanted your livestock to reproduce, or if you wanted to have a baby, you needed to worship at the temple of the goddess Asherah. And there were these Asherah poles at the temple. And since she was the goddess of fertility, as you can imagine, one of the ways that you would worship the goddess Asherah is that you would have sex with one of the temple prostitutes that was there. And those prostitutes were both men and women. And so King Asa, he opposes his grandmother, Ma'aka. Now Ma'aka, this is a different lady than the same Ma'aka who was the wife of King David, which we studied about a couple of months ago. This is a different lady, just the same name, okay? But apparently King Asa's grandmother, Ma'aka, she was a big proponent and a big worshiper of the goddess Asherah. Okay, now, like, think about that for just a second. And so I'm sure young King Asa was like, ew, like, seriously, Grandma? Like, that's, that's gross. I mean, you're a grandma, right? But, but apparently uh, his grandma was a very, very powerful woman because for King Asa to come oppose his grandma, like that was a big deal because otherwise the Bible wouldn't even mention it. But the Bible actually makes a big deal about it. But the point is, is that King Asa changed the course of his family line. He changed the course of his family. And to have a heart that's 
fully committed to God might mean that you would have to change the course of your family, of your family line as well. You know, because look, maybe in your family, there's a long line of divorce. Maybe in your family, there's a long line of alcoholics or substance abuse. Maybe in your family, there's a long line of cheating or deception or materialism or abuse or occult practices, you know, or who knows what else. But bottom line, is there something in your family line that if you were to follow God with all of your heart that you know, you, like you know would need to change? Then you be the one to change. Let it start with you. You be the one that causes your family line to change because you are going to change. That literally, you be the one that starts something new. That you be the one that starts a new family legacy. So that literally, generations from now, when children are born, their parents would say, you know what, for us in our family, we follow the Lord, because that is our family heritage. That is our family legacy. Let that start with you. Let it start with you. Now, here's an additional thing that you need to understand. In the Bible, when, literally, whenever it talks about an Asherah pole, it always talks about it in the most reprehensible language. Like, it's always condemned, it's always described as evil or vile, or, you know, in this story, as repulsive. Like, why? Like, of all of the idols of the Bible, like, why does God single this one out, okay? Why is God so vehemently opposed to an Asherah pole? Why? Because it stands in opposition to the cross. It stands in opposition to the cross because an Asherah pole was made out of wood just like the cross. An Asherah pole was, would be stood up in the ground just like the cross. People would worship at the feet of an Asherah pole just like the cross. An Asherah pole represented new life just like the cross. And yes, I know at this point in history, the cross hadn't even been invented yet, but I'm telling you, the devil was making an open mockery of the cross and what God was going to use to bring his salvation to the entire world. And so I think God truly hates an Asherah pole because it stands in opposition to the cross. Now, why is that so important? Why is that so important for us to understand? Because you need to ask yourself, and I need to ask myself, what is it in my life that stands in opposition to the cross? What is it in your family line that stands in opposition to the cross? Because once you identify that, you've identified an Asherah pole. And once you've identified it as an Asherah pole, you have to do what King Asa did. You have to burn it to the ground. You gotta burn it to the ground. So whatever it is, that's what you have to do. And so let me ask you again, would you be, would you be the one in your family that makes that change? Would you be the one that starts a new legacy, a new family heritage? Would you be the one that says, God, I'm gonna serve you with my whole heart, 
for my whole life. And whatever it is that opposes you, I'm burning it to the ground. Now for you, to make that kind of a commitment, it might mean that you're the first person in your family that becomes a Christian, that becomes a Christ follower. And if that's you, the way you become a Christ follower is you ask Jesus to come into your heart to forgive you for everything you've ever done and everything that's ever happened, and you put Jesus in charge of your life. You commit to follow him. If you've never done that, there's a prayer that you can pray. It's in your message notes. It's at the bottom. Take a few minutes and pray that prayer right now because, look, that's the first step to having a heart that's fully committed to God and his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, let's wrap it up with this. Number three, I strive for dedication, not perfection. I strive for dedication, not perfection. Let's look at how this section of the story of King Asa concludes. Verse 14, although he did not remove the high places, I want you to underline the rest of this, okay? Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Now, I actually think this is one of the best things about King Asa, okay? Now, the high places were literally on hilltops where pagan worship would occur. And sometimes there were altars there, you know, sometimes there weren't. But for whatever reason, King Asa did not remove all of these high places, which honestly, it's kind of weird because he was so adamant about removing all the other idols and all the Asherah poles. It's like, why didn't he remove the high places? I don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't say. But the point that I want you to remember is this is that even though he didn't remove those high places, he is still described as a man whose heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. And you know what that means for you? And you know what that means for me? It means that I don't have to be perfect in order for God to be proud of me. You don't have to be perfect in order for God to be proud of you. And I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, that is so liberating for me. That is so freeing for me. Because it means that I don't have to be perfect in order for God to love me or to be proud of me. In fact, the reason Jesus died for you and died for me is because we aren't perfect. And when you become a Christian, that doesn't make you perfect. It makes you forgiven. You know, my wife, Amy, ever since our kids were really, really small, she has always said this. She says this. She says, you don't have to be perfect to be in this family. And I remember the first time she said it, like, I didn't really think much of it. I, mean, I was like, oh, I mean, that's nice. That's good. But it didn't really mean that much to me at the time. But I'm telling you, this has been so freeing for our kids and I'll be honest with you, it's been freeing for me because I don't have to be perfect to be in my family. And you know what? God says this very same thing to you. He says today to you, he says, you don't have to be perfect to be in this family. You don't have to be perfect to be in God's family. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. 
He just wants you to be dedicated. He just wants you to say, God, please transform my heart, reshape my desires so that I can serve you with my whole heart for my whole life. So please, 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 hear this. Don't be a person that's just a brain on a stick. Don't be so consumed with just accumulating more knowledge. Ask God to help you become the kind of person that says, God, change my heart, change my desires, because I want to serve you with my whole heart for my whole life. Be that kind of person, because look, when you're that kind of person and God begins to shape you that way, then you are in the perfect position for God to raise you up to do great things in this life. And there'll be no reason for you ever to fall. I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for King Asa and his example that still rings true to us centuries later. Thank you for how he served you. And no, he wasn't perfect. And God, we aren't either. And we openly acknowledge that. And so God, for those that are listening to me today that have a divided heart, that have only been serving you with, a, with half-hearted commitment, or just a partial heart, God, I pray for them today and ask that you would help inspire them to say, okay, God, I'm giving you my all, and I'm willing to get rid of all those things that pull me away from you. And God, I ask that you would help all of us learn this lesson that you would raise us up to be everything that you've always wanted us to be, me included, and help us avoid any kind of a fall. And bring us back next week, Father so that we can learn more about what it takes to follow you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.